Life Audio. I think most of us know what it feels like to be caught red-handed. And if you don't, it's probably just a matter of time before that actually happens. We're going to be talking about that concept today, and we're looking at John chapter 8. I pray that you stay with us because I think this episode is going to be a blessing for you. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast for our devotional content for Woman Day 2. And this devotional content is coming out of the She Hears Bible Study, where we go much more in depth with each of these topics. And if you don't already have a copy, I would encourage you to to pick one up if you are wanting some more content like what we're sharing on the podcast. So we are in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him. And he sat down, and he began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery, in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Then what do you say? They were saying this, testing him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. So the woman was caught red-handed. And imagine the scene with me, if you will. Jesus was at the back of the temple where he was sitting down and teaching. Where do you think that was in the temple? In verse 20, a little bit later down in this chapter, it says that these words he spoke in the temple. Do you know what part of the temple that was? It was in the woman's court. So the way that that worked is men could be in the women's court, but the women could not be in the men's court. Scholars agree that this earlier situation with the woman was also in the same location. So even though it's in verse 20, verses 1 through 11, it's all taking place in the same spot, which means it happened in one of the most public and accessible parts of the temple. And so temples had like courts around them, and this would be the part where the women were allowed to be. 
It's why the woman in our story was able to be in that part of the temple in the first place. And I think there were likely a couple reasons for us for this. We know that the scribes and the Pharisees were trying to trick Jesus. And it's likely that they wanted as big of a crowd as possible so they could trick Jesus in front of everybody falling kind of into their trap. Beyond that, though, I think Jesus intended for the woman's story to be seen by as many people as possible. What was he doing in the temple? Well, verse 2 says, he sat down and began to teach them. Now, I think if you're like me, if you think temple, you think church, okay, he was preaching. But that's not exactly what was going on. He wasn't preaching at the temple. He was teaching. There's a difference. And so we see the word didasco. Please, I don't, I don't necessarily know how to pronounce all these things. I learned how to read Greek, you know, to speak it. But didasco is used here, which is a different word for teaching than you might expect. Typically in a temple, you would hear someone instruct as keruso, which means to preach and to proclaim. But didasco means increasing the understanding of the student. And so the meaning here is that the student would understand the knowledge as part of themselves. It was a difference between hearing and knowing. So didasco is the term that is used in scripture when it refers to how Jesus taught, which was different than how all the religious leaders taught at the time. So Jesus wants you to get it. He sits down and he stays with you until you do. And in fact, he's always with us. What do you think he was teaching? See, I have to believe that he stayed seated because of didasco. He was waiting for them to get it. Forgiveness. Grace, love, obedience, all the things that Jesus is known for teaching. And do we teach that way in the church? We may preach it, but do we teach it? Do we make sure that people understand it? And I'm not against preaching or proclaiming. I preach all the time. But I am for teaching and understanding and putting it into practice. That's where discipleship comes in. And so if you are not in a local body of believers, I would encourage you to get there. And it's not for the preaching. You can get preaching on TV or online. It's for didasco. It's for the understanding, the discipleship, the learning part. So the scribes were the ones that were supposed to be interpreting the law for the people and teaching them about God's desire for reconciliation and his heart for them. But instead, they opposed Jesus, the very one God purposed for reconciliation. And so in the middle of this moment that Jesus was in the temple teaching the people the way that, that they were tasked to be doing, that they didn't, instead they are dragging this woman into the scene and they're exposing her to shame and sin in front of everyone. Let's think through this a moment. This woman was caught in the act, red-handed, without a doubt of her guilt. And I want to take just a minute to look at the original text. In this phrase, the word caught is katalambano, from the words kata, meaning intensive, and lambano, meaning to take. So she was intensively taken into adultery. And another definition might be to, like, be seized or quickly overtaken, something like that. And so, to me, that sounds like a lot of our sin, you can't get out. It takes over. You just almost feel helpless over it. And you know it's wrong, but you do it anyway. And for this particular sin, she couldn't have acted alone. Yet nowhere do we see the man that she committed this sin with. And while they were correct in talking about the law of Moses, they're only saying half the law. They were referring to Leviticus 20 verse 10. And you can go ahead and look that up. But basically, 
it's saying that both of them should have been held responsible. And where was the man? They were both supposed to be put to death. But beyond that, it's likely that in order to, quote unquote, catch her in the act, they had to have some knowledge of what was going on. And so many scholars believe that they trapped her in order to use her as their pawn in the bigger trap of trying to get at Jesus. Okay, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll finish up talking about the woman in John 8 and being caught red-handed. Stay tuned. And so knowing the law, Jesus will be caught between the justice that the law required and the grace that he was preaching or that he was known for. And so their hope was that they could condemn him no matter which answer that he gave. Sometimes it's our own sin and sometimes it's others pulling us into sin. And sometimes it's sin, we feel like it's just seizing us. But regardless, we've all felt some level of this in our own lives. And although I've never committed adultery, I have been caught red-handed before. Most of us have. And that feeling you get when you know you've been caught, it's like a punch in the stomach. No one else can be to blame for the things that we ourselves choose to participate in. And so there's this role of personal responsibility that has to go along with our choices. And we will look at guilt a little bit more tomorrow. But today I want us to deal with this primary emotion that accompanies guilt. Shame. Think back to a time when you were caught red-handed. And if you need to, take a minute to reflect on the way that it made you feel. Regardless if that was something big or little, I imagine you felt similar to the way I did. Take a minute to kind of just wrap your mind around that and think about those times in your life. Can you identify that emotion? That's shame. And so I could share some of my own experiences with shame. Um, I have a list of scriptures in the Bible study that kind of goes through it. And we talk a little bit more about the anatomy of shame. But I want you to see what Jesus wants us to get. There's hope. We don't have to stay stuck in our shame. We don't have to carry it with us like a stain that refuses to be washed away. Instead, he himself wants to take that shame away from us. And as we realize our desperate need for a savior that can rescue us from the things that we that hold us captive, that's the reason why he comes and he sits down and he teaches us. He wants us to get it. He becomes our shame and our guilt and our sin so that we can be restored to a right relationship with God. And sis, he isn't going anywhere. He's sitting down with you until you get it. Father God, thank you so much that you are a God that desires reconciliation for us to be in right relationship with you. That God the Father created this amazing rescue plan that we could be reconciled to him through you. God, thank you so much. We praise you for the brilliance and the compassion that we can see in that plan. Lord, I pray that even now that you would quicken my friend's heart, that she would start to believe the way that you have called her to yourself. Lord God, I thank you that you don't leave us trapped in our sin, but instead you provide a rescue plan, a way to get out. God, I pray that you would intervene on behalf of my friend today. In Jesus' name, amen. I know you've been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. Listen, 
I know. I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, which helps you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I include lots of cultural and historical information, and it really makes these familiar passages of scripture just come alive. This is a great study to do on your own, to do with some girlfriends or even some teenage girls, and it will help you really gain the confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. You can find that on my resources page at shehears.org, where there are also some really good resources to help you in your spiritual growth. I pray that they are a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.